G'day everyone, welcome to the Outback Packers podcast, the podcast where two mates from all the way across the world have a yarn talking Packers football and the green and gold. I'm Nick Gregory, joined as always by my co-host Iowa Joe, today joined by returning guest, the ever-lovely Mike Kawano. Mike, how are you? There's been quite a lot of Packers news over this off-season since we've last talked and you know, we're in a very different situation than I think a lot of us envision, <laughs> but how are you? Doing good. Can't complain. It's it's been a wild uh, last forty eight hours for myself, outside of Packers news. But uh, can't complain. Happy to be back on, and really appreciate you guys giving me another go at this. <laughs> oh, always, always welcome. So this episode, you know, we're kind of covering the inside linebacker um, position throughout the draft. But you know, me and Jay always ask everyone who comes on here, kind of, what are your thoughts on this? You know, Rogers to Love transition situation i mean you know, we, we, we're just coming off the back of the interview with uh brian gudekunst and matt lafleur how, how, how do you feel about kind of what's going on uh, i mean it's it's at the he said she's you know well he said he said um, in this situation <laughs> but i uh, i don't really care at this point it, it doesn't really matter yeah because we're never going to know who did what or who said what or who's really telling the truth. Um, that's what, you know, that's what the books are for afterward. And it, it really doesn't matter to me. Five five years to the day, whenever Rogers hangs it up, he's going to be back in Lambeau. I, I never thought Favre would walk back into Lambeau with Thompson still in the building, and he did. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think the, the Rogers-Gudekunst relationship is anywhere near as bad as the, the Favre-Thompson one was rumored to be. So I, I think when it's all said and done, he'll be back. His name is going to go up in the uh, is going to go up on the ring of honor. And, you know, it's, it's, it's never, you know, breakups are never easy. It's never easy to tell you, be told that you're fired basically, for, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's what Green Bay is telling Rogers is that when, you know, by saying we're moving on to Jordan Love is you're not QB one, you're fired for all intents and purposes. And there is no, quote-unquote good way or best way to do that so at this point it's 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 all just kind of I don't want to say a formality at this point but it's kind of just it is what it is at this point and just ready to move on at this point and um see see what whatever the return package is gonna be so because that's the thing is like you know it's people ask like what do you think they're gonna do in the draft and it's like I, I I don't mean it as a cop out, but it does depend what they get back for Rogers. Yep. Because, mm-hmm. in terms of like you know, like okay, I'm in the belief that they're still in play for something like pick thirteen, Jermaine Johnson, and some kind of conditional or Jordan Whitehead or something like that. And if you do that, that you know, you unless the board falls a certain way, they're probably not picking an edge in the first round. You're picking a tackle and. Who knows? Maybe they're free to do different things with the second first round pick kind of thing. So mm-hmm. those are the kind of options that it, it's hard to say what the team could or would do without knowing what they're going to have. They're just, even if they say, you know, if it's only pick 42 or they get 42 and 43 back, because I think the that one of the new reports I saw is that the, the pick the Jets got in the Elijah Moore trade is now supposed to be key in the Rodgers negotiations. So, right. All those kind of things, those are all, you know, those all that adds a whole bunch of different balls in the air to what Green Bay could hypothetically do in uh, in the upcoming draft. So, I mean, it, it, it gives them options. And realistically, the draft is how they're going to add talent this year. You know, they might 
you know, they still could bring back Mercedes or something like that. Amos still hasn't signed, which makes me think that he's at least entertaining the opportunity to come back to Green Bay. I, I said it when, you know, it was announced that he was visiting Baltimore because, you know, that's his hometown team. And yeah, it's like, yeah. um, and it was the day after that Hollins had re-signed with Green Bay after he had the... So Amos visited Baltimore on fr- uh, on a Friday. Hollins had re-signed the, the day before on Thursday. And so the day before that Wednesday was when Hollins was reportedly visiting the Giants kind of thing. So it's like, okay, like, Amos has the num. The way I take it is Amos has whatever Green Bay is able, willing, whatever you want to call it, to offer him at this point. And now it's up to him. Like, okay, like let me go see if anyone's gonna pay me more than I don't know. Let's just say it's five million dollars to a year kind of thing. And now he's like, okay, Baltimore, Green Bay said they'll pay me five. Are you gonna give me six kind of thing and stuff? And I don't think they have because he didn't turn around and sign with Baltimore kind of thing and stuff. Or so, yeah, it's. I do think I do think Green Bay is going to move to, you know, not and I hate that too is people say like the reports are kind of coming up that oh they both sides are looking to resolve this and stuff and people are saying like oh that means Goody is bending the knee as like I don't think that's what it means. I think it just means that both sides understand that it's time to turn the page on this thing and you know it's well, time to quote a lot of people serious. are getting pissed about is Woody Johnson keeps opening his damn mouth. You know, I love first it. It, well, <laughs> yeah. I know, but I mean, at first it was, well, you know, I, I'm more than willing to give up two first round draft picks for a proven quarterback. Okay. Well, we're, we want to trade you a proven quarterback. Oh, well, I don't want to trade two first round picks now. Okay. So he comes out again. Oh, well, you know, we really, we're all in on Aaron Rodgers. Okay. So, you know, give us this, this, and this. Oh, I don't want to give this and this. Well, yeah. then shut your damn mouth about this it's- shit because you're just making it worse on yourself. It really is like he is like redoing and redoing Mark Murphy's basketball tournament interview where whereas Mark like the Monday after was like, I've been sworn to secrecy and I can't say anything. Woody and that you know, and you know, it's fun to joke about what would Green Bay do if they had an owner. And it's like that's what happens. Owners do whatever the hell they want because they're the one who signs all the paychecks and stuff. So it's like if Woody Johnson feels like saying shit, he's gonna say shit, kind of thing and stuff. But yeah, I, I, I'm at the point where it doesn't make sense to talk about leverage. I've posted what I think the trade return should and could would will be. I'll say it. I, I think what it will be, and if I'm wrong, then so be it, kind of thing at this point. But mm-hmm. it's 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 at the point where talking about who has leverage and. What a pe- and that's the thing too is it's like both sides are being so clandestine about what is or isn't on the table kind of thing that it, it it's just funny when y- it's just easy to tell who's what road you know what tinted glasses people are wearing because of how they're shade you know shading the um the conversation about what the potential trade is and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. the, the the only thing I'll say at this point is I do find it funny that only one side is playing the like they're being unreasonable and they're being, you know, the Green Bay is being unreasonable and unwilling to compromise and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, if they are, then it's like, we know how much Rogers is worth. And if they're like, you know, it's like, there's only so many ways that that can play out kind of thing and stuff. So yeah. I don't know. It's one of those that 
I, I don't really care. Not, I don't not. It's not that I don't care, but it's like I'm just ready for it to be over so that we can yeah. talk about what they've got and what they can do, what the next steps are, the requisite steps are after the deal is finalized and stuff like that. Right. And I think that's the boat that I've been in this whole time was, you know, I understand the situation. I know we finally got, quote unquote, the decision that Rodgers is set to play for the Jets. I, I I get all that. But now I'm ready for the drama to end. Let's go ahead and move on from this stuff. Let's get the draft picks. I, The only thing is, is we recently talked to Dan Kotnick. And one of the things that we all said was, we appreciate what Goody's doing because at least he's dug his heels in and yep. said, we're taking this. You know, we know what our quarterback is worth. We know what we should be yep. getting for him. And, you know, had it been some other, you know, GM, I have a feeling they would have buckled weeks ago. You know, and look at what yeah. Ted Thompson got for Brett Favre when Brett Favre went in the trade. So kind of to at least Goody's. Yeah. Yeah. My one of my friends who's also a Packer fan and actually also a Hawkeye, his whole thing was give me the Gudekunst that drafted love and didn't tell Rogers. Don't give me the one that's begging Rogers to come back in. Yeah. Especially yeah. after that interview that he gave at the owner's meeting. We've got mm. I picked Jordan Love's Gudekunst back kind of thing and stuff. I, it, it was nice to see him show his backbone and kind of be like, you know, the truth is always going to be somewhere in the middle. I, I'm mm. sure that, you know, I'm sure that. The, the where I'll say the truth is in the middle is that, you know, Green Bay, I don't even want to say they were distruthful in saying it, but, you know, they weren't going to say, like, we're done with you outright. They were going to always be like, hey, we'll have you back if you want to be back, but make sure kind of thing. And, of course, Rodgers could take that as, like, oh, they're waiting for me on endlessly kind of thing and stuff. But, like I said, that's why... I don't care anymore about the he said, he said of it because mm -hmm. it's just going to keep going in a circle. And like I said, that's what books are for. <laughs> when, well, when I will say that, that that's what the book is for. <laughs> I will say that if I had to believe any of them, it would probably be more Gudikins than, oh, than yeah. Rogers because Rogers tends to bend the truth to what he wants it to be and not what it actually is. So if I'm going to believe anybody, it's going to be Goody over. Yeah. But you're right. You know, they always say, you know, you got this you got this person's story that person's story and then what actually happened so you know you're never going to get the truth of it i don't even think in the book you're really going to get the truth no of it. so but i mean yeah if i'm going to have to say i believe one guy over the other it's probably goody a little bit you know going back 60 to the 40 whole, kind of thing or something yeah, like that yeah going, you know you know i was immunized Okay, so that means you're you're vaccinated, right? Well, no, I'm not vaccinated. So yeah, but they anyway, pressed me on it, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Well, it's all the reporters' fault for not asking me the proper questions, you know. Yeah. So if anybody I had to believe, it would be Goody. But <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm getting tired of this Roger stuff. I know I I'm one, I'm the one that usually asks a question every week, but I'm getting <laughs> to the point where I just I'm ready to fly. Well, not fly because I don't fly, but I'm ready to drive up to Green Bay and usher rogers out the door in a heart uh, myself you know i'll, I'll bring the u-haul and my last thing on the, the the last thing i have to say on the rogers thing that I, i'm really irritated with uh like 12 stands is the whole they owe it to aaron to just get the trade done and just let him go to to new york i was like no the only thing they owe aaron is the 150 million dollar contract as is right mm -hmm. now that's it like it that's all that's all that's owed like you know, 
yeah, the whole the whole like this party owes them, this party owes them. Hey, on that same page, we were owed fifty million dollars level play of quarterback last year, and we didn't get it. So, yeah. sol. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you know, we the Packers don't owe him anything. He doesn't. The only thing that he theoretically could owe the Packers is another Super Bowl title, because you know they paid him like a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, and they never got. They only got one in his whole tenure. So, yep. and I know you can't blame it all on one guy, but yeah, it kind of goes with the the play. You know, he should have been playing a little bit better in certain situations, and we wouldn't have that issue. Yeah. But yeah. like I said, we probably should move on because we got a lot of other things to get to. Yeah. Um. Just quickly, would you mind uh, just moving your mic a little bit, Mike? Is this is your your best is going on it? Awesome. Thank you. Oh, look who's getting picky over mics now. Jeez. I, I, I'm making, <laughs> making it easy for you so you don't have to edit it. <laughs> no, thank you for that. I'll try not to burp into the mic this time. <laughs> well, I'm just glad he's got clothes on, so we're good. <laughs> oh, what you don't know is this is just a tattoo. Nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> this oh is God. just a full body sleeve. <laughs> you just wait. You keep doing that, and I'm going to show up in no clothes. Oh, then God. we'll see what happens. Oh, God. It's getting hot in here. And we've lost Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Inside linebacker, it's kind of a funny position because, I mean, look, it's, you know, we have Quay who's going to become the number one probably this year. And, you know, we have Devondre still on the contract. He has uh, two years left, including this year. Um, behind him, Isaiah McDuffie. I'm not sure who's behind McDuffie, but uh, it's not anyone super significant, I don't think. There's that. Basically, at this point, it's Eric Wilson. That's the one, yeah. yeah, there's, yeah that's the one so really, we're drafting, if we do draft, it's going to be for Devondre's replacement or more depth behind Quaid. I mean, McDuffie made, you know, a few nice kind of steps forward last season, more than I really expected, to be honest. And, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a position of need, but I do kind of expect them to draft a late guy, even just purely for special teams value. This is a class, you know, we kind of mentioned pre-show, the size is kind of lower than what traditionally Green Bay looks for. But, you know, I, 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 don't, I still think there's a few really, really good prospects and we'll talk about them soon. But how do you guys feel about the state of the roster when it comes to the inside linebacker? Well, I would kind of disagree with you. I, I do think that I always put needs in tiers. And I would say that inside linebacker is probably that second tier. Because really? like you just said, there, other than McDuffie, there's no real depth there. And, you know, they're going to have to plan for the future anyway. Yeah, Quay's going to be the main guy, but, you know, Devondre, is he going to be here past, you know, theoretically, and I don't know contract-wise if it makes sense, but theoretically he could be gone next year, you know, just depending on how well he plays this year. So he's got two years left on the contract, but that doesn't mean he'll be in Green Bay for the two years. I fully expect him to be gone next year. McDuffie, I was really surprised with McDuffie like you were, and I really like what I saw out of him. I don't think he's going to be an every-down type player, but he's going to be that solid rotational depth kind of guy. And Wilson will never be, unless he takes like an immediate step in the right direction, he'll never be a starter. He'll just be that depth and special teamer. So I would say that inside linebacker is probably tier two when it comes to need now obviously there's other needs that i would put in tier one like safety and tight end and guys and things like that so 
And then, of course, you got your tier three, which, you know, you're not going to need anything. So, but anyway, inside linebackers, there's a lot of them out there. But like Nick was just saying, we were talking earlier that the sizes just don't seem to fit what Packers want. But I, I still think depending on, you know, going back to what Mike said earlier about the Rodgers draft compensation, you know, depending on what they get back for him and trade is going to depend on what they do with their draft picks. So I could see them easily taking a guy fourth round, depending on what they have, you know, and the crazy thing is, is even though the sizes of these players aren't what the Packers normally look like, look for, this is a deep class for inside linebackers and the Packers may have to go outside their scope of players to grab one, but there's a lot of athletic backers out there that they could nab to be a depth building piece. So I I do, I, I really do think this could be a, a need and I'm not going to say they're going to take one in the first, but if they get like three seconds, if they have like three second round picks, I honestly see, I could see them nabbing a guy that's fallen out of the first round and is right there in the second round. No, I kind of agree with uh, where you're going with, with that one, Joe, because yeah, it's so like, it's, it's kind of, so in the sense of like how people view what the need is inside linebacker and edge are sort of in the same boat where it's like you supposedly have your starters, but you your depth behind them is a question mark to an extent kind of thing and stuff. But obviously edge is a much more premier position. Plus you add in the fact that like Rashawn's not healthy. Yeah. Even if he, and I do think Rashawn is going to do whatever he has to, to try and be out there week one, but just because of what ACL recoveries are, he's not going to be a hundred percent this season. You know, like the only guy we've seen be basically a hundred percent the year after was Adrian Peterson and that was like one the the low Jordy. ACL. I would probably put Jordy in there too because look even how Jordy he it took him half a season to like really kick it. I don't back know into because gear, he really kinda. came back as a comeback player. So I mean, he did. He yeah. wasn't like full force, but you know, he was pretty damn close to it. I yeah, would, I would argue. Yeah, he he had a really good season, but yeah, like so. I think we're but and then at inside linebacker, it's like they're more looking for a guy that you know they're looking for options in terms of like we've got our two base guys in dre and quay you know they all reports are they really like the strides mcduffie's made uh mcduffie follows in that the footsteps of guys like jake ryan blake martinez kamal martin you know guys that they take on on day three who have upside and you know for multiple reasons jake just his knee kept blowing up on him Blake was just going to sign too big of a deal to come back. And Kamal, well, Kamal was always didn't really have the speed for me. Yeah. So. Kamal's Kamal's one was always kind of weird. I was always shocked. He'd like never really got a chance. His second yeah. season kind of thing As, especially because they didn't really have answers at the <laughs> position. So that was always one. It makes you wonder like, was there off field stuff that we didn't My, hear about kind of thing and well, stuff. That's but, what I was just going to say. Yeah. It always seems like when they're super quiet on the situation, there was some kind of locker room or off the field concerns yeah. with him. And the it's least, also it's kind like, of funny that you don't see him anywhere else. Yeah. It, it's kind of like the Kylan Hill one this year where it's like, oh, mm. like that's a guy that everyone was excited for. And then, you know, you had the Lafleur blurb where he was kind of like, 
we weren't pleased with where he was on the mental side of it, you know, coming off an injury. We thought he would, he should have been further along kind of thing and stuff. So, but it seems like McDuffie has, and from the looks of it, he did take strides forward in terms of his play recognition and he's a thumper. And like you guys kind of noted about this year's class, he is a little bit outside of their thresholds where, you know, he's a, he's a lighter guy. But at the same time, the thing is, is that Devondre is still listed at 232, which is still on the lighter side for an inside linebacker. So before, like five, even five years ago, I would say definitely there is something to having a 245 pound plus inside linebacker. But I think today with how much spread offenses are so prevalent in the game and how much, you know, like the Shanahan um, offenses with a lot of play action and you know your linebackers have to be able to just unhitch the trailer and run to space kind of thing i think it's we're in the ripe era where if you're 230 and you're smart and you can tackle you're you've got a chance to play linebacker in this league kind of thing and stuff so and that's where like you like you guys said this class is lighter but they're not necessarily smaller if that makes sense so right. yeah. like for example one of the guys that i like in this class is henry tooto from alabama he's just that stereotypical he's in that jake ryan blake martinez mold where he's just a heady heady football player maybe not as many splash plays in the passing game as you'd like but at the same time you know that's the thing is it's like everyone's like i want fred warner impact or i want <laughs> Bobby Wagner impact. I was like, I just want someone who's going to make the tackle, like expecting your inside <laughs> linebacker to run down the field. <laughs> yeah. Expecting your inside linebacker to run routes better than the tight end or running back. They're defending is just asking way too much out of a linebacker kind of mm-hmm. thing. That's mm-hmm. why we've seen them go to these hybrid, you know, like why uh, Raven green, why yeah. those kind of players were tried, to, you know, even, Carpenter is another one of those where it's like, is he going to stick at safety or are they going to move into the nickel dime linebacker? You know, he's, he kind of factors into their inside linebacker depth as well, because we don't know which position they've kind of charted him for in that sense. But yeah, so Toto is like a guy and even him, you compare him to McDuffie, even they're the same weight. Uh, they're both listed 227 at the combine, but Toto, his, he's got two inch longer arms and, bigger hands kind of thing and stuff. So, you know, people are like, okay, what does that translate to arm length? That means that you've got more arm length to wrap up and tackle kind of thing and stuff. And, you know, that was the thing that Ty Summers, Ty Summers was a world-class athlete for an inside linebacker, but he had T-Rex arms. And it's like, we were always like, okay, dude, you've got two arms, use them. (laughs) And instead we're just like, nope, there, there goes 44 bouncing off another tackle kind of thing and stuff. But that's, kind of what I look for in this class is like you said, you're looking for just like one reliable trait out of this class and enough upside in athleticism or spatial awareness or something like that, that you're like, okay, get this guy in. He's going to be able to play special teams. He's going to be able to be groomed behind Devondre, behind Quay, behind Isaiah really, because they seem to really like Isaiah in this role. So it's like, you know, it's it's a guy that he's not expected to play defense week one. And if he can, that's great or not great if someone ahead of him is hurt or something like right, that. Yeah. But, you know, being able to, you know, if you get a Chris Barnes situation where you find a guy that you're lucky enough to find a guy that you're like, damn, this guy can play. Let's find a way to get him on the field. That's awesome. But 
there it's a position where you like Joe said, you're still looking for depth because the Devondre question and you know, basically if they have to move on from Devondre next year, it's kinda like, okay, you've got Quay and then we don't know what else the plan is at inside linebacker kind of thing and stuff. So there I think they're like like Joe said, it's probably more of like a it's a, gonna be another lottery ish ticket kind of pick and they're going to you know pick to certain like i said they're going to look at a guy they're going to try and look for guys that are like okay he does you know he might not be great at these three things but we know that his film shows that he's got good awareness he can read blocks pretty good and he can tackle well kind of thing and from that can we coach him up to be better in coverage better as a blitzer things like that so and you know it's like okay if it works out great and if not it's like okay it was a sixth round you know fifth sixth round pick we those if they if they don't work out that's kind of par for the course so i i kind of think that that's sort of the attention that is going to be paid to the position this season that's kind of interesting you just mentioned toho toho his raz isn't great but what's knocking him is you know obviously his size but he also had a not great vert and his shuttle wasn't very great. Yeah. And he didn't do bench and he didn't do three cone. So, you know, I, unless it's like a McDuffie type thing, I don't see them maybe going after him just based off of that. But then again, they've done weirder things, but you know, and I, I know I shouldn't be using Raz as the, end all be all but you know the Packers history so far under Goody has shown that they want the athletic types except for tight ends for some reason they take the non-athletic tight ends but <laughs> Brian Mafia and I we, we joke about that all the time yeah We're, like everyone except for Davis Allen and uh, I forget there's like one or two more we're like nope they're not drafting him that's a green card that's a green card they're, yeah. they're not on the Packers board so it but I mean you know the sad thing is is he's about the average size of what everybody else in the draft class is so they're gonna have to step out of their comfort zone one way or the other if they're gonna take him now they're going to have to do something, whether they find, you know, some vet off the street that's going to take a, you know, minimum contract or what, but they're not going to be able to roll in the season with just, you know, Quay, Devondre, and McDuffie, and, you know, Wilson being there just in case. So do we want to go ahead and get into prospects or do we want to, or is there anything else we want to talk about? Absolutely. Basically, I, I, the only other thing I have to say is it's a good thing they picked Quay last year, and he it looks like he's gonna pan out, kind of thing. Oh, because, yeah. yeah, like that, as long I, as he I doesn't keep getting kicked out of like, games. Yeah, and I do think I, I do think he learned from it. Like, and yeah. what he said after the game was about as good of a like an apology and an explanation. Ooh. Like, he didn't point fingers. He basically said, like, nope, I fucked up. I I did it twice. Yeah. It's inexcusable. And I was like, you know, like. You can say, you know, pessimistic people are going to say, oh, what else is he supposed to do? I was like, we've seen a lot of guys say it's like that guy did this, that guy did that. And it it was refreshing to see him own up to the moment and say, like, yeah, I messed up. I cost my team kind of thing and stuff. So, well, I'm sure he got a pretty good ash chewing out of it, too. And they showed the the tunnel shot where he's like, it doesn't take a, you know, it doesn't take a, 
a master's in lip reading to see he's saying like why did i do it what what the hell was i thinking kind of thing and stuff and so as like it, it was one of those where like i said it wasn't great but as much as we can tell he's recognized and is gonna hopefully make the corrections moving forward kind of thing and stuff yeah. and the play on the field it it we saw we saw it more and more flashes as the year went on and stuff so it yeah it's it's definitely a good thing that they picked him last year as much as i wasn't a fan of the pick the guy i wanted them to pick is i'm hoping he'll be a part of the rogers trade package but <laughs> it's it's really a good thing they picked him last year because they'd be going into this season with question mark like because dre didn't have a great season last year and so mm. you kind of have question marks about him and then isaiah like <laughs> yeah so it, it's a good thing they did pick well, last to be year. fair on dre you know he was kind of there was too much hype for this past year on him because yeah. of the type of year he had the year before so everybody knew well not everybody i suppose there were people that probably didn't understand it but anybody who had any kind of sense knew that he wasn't going to be able to replicate the all pro season he had the year before. And he was playing better as the year went on. It, yeah. right. it was, I was just more surprised that it took him like four to six weeks to really get his legs under him last season. Cause I'm wondering yeah. if it was just getting used to having to work with Quay yeah. and getting and him up. To exactly. Speed. It, it I kind of went back and forth with like Sam Holman about it and stuff. And it's, it's hard to tell who's the mic and who's the will inside, you know, who's, who's the thumper and who's the, who's the runaround guy. You, and you kind of go back and forth like, Oh, Dre probably was more of the will in 2021. And Barnes was more of the thumper guy kind of thing. And then this year Quay is definitely the will. And so it's like, okay, Dre's got to take on more blocks and things like that. So, you know, it's it's all those kind of things that it, it, it's hard for us from, you know, not being in the meeting room, not knowing exactly what assignments are and things like that to say. But the most important thing to me, like I said, is that Dre did turn it around and was making more impactful plays as the season went on kind of thing and stuff. And yeah. hopefully he just kind of carries that momentum going. You know, him and Quay have a better understanding of playing off of each other and stuff and you know, they just kind of hit it off on hit it off from week one this year instead. Well, to kind of transition to our prospects, the only thing that I didn't like about the Quay Walker pick was now we're not going to get Jack Campbell. And that <laughs> sucks. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> oh, God, well, please my no. only hope, please and no. I would understand, and it would kind of make me question a little bit is like I said earlier, that if the Packers end up with like three second round picks and somehow Campbell falls all the way into the second round to one of them, I could see them pulling the trigger there, but then I would have question marks as to why, because through all the stuff, his gameplay, his athletic ability, all that stuff, he should be a surefire first rounder. There, I mean, there are some question marks here or there about certain things, but he's got the talent, he's got the ability. You know, I don't see why he wouldn't go the first round. Just my eyes, but obviously, I don't get paid to do this stuff to watch him. And but. what I will say is, like, I, I have more of a second, like a day two grade on Campbell, but I agree. Like, he's the one that it's like, okay, if every other like if you don't like any of the tight ends any of the receivers any of the edge rushers any of the cornerbacks any of the offensive tackles i would take him in the second round with 
especially if we have three picks kind of thing because it's like why not pick pick the best player kind of thing and stuff the thing that you worry about with this class is that because like you said it's a deep class but there aren't many high-end prospects is like guys like a toto are gonna get pushed up you know they're they're gonna inorganically get pushed up the board because it's like and we see it every year with every position it's like well i've got to make sure i get the top three guy even though he's really more of a round four pick i gotta make sure i get him before he get because there aren't many other options kind of thing and stuff so and you know it's it's kind of um it, it's kind of like safety this year where it's like should have drafted one last year kind of thing <laughs> because i i do think and you know i know we did safety i did safeties with you guys there are safeties that we definitely like but it's like the guys we like are going to take some time. And that's yep. kind of similar to what this inside linebacker class is going to be. Campbell's probably the only plug and play guy right away out of the class, but everyone else is going to take some time. And it's one of those, like you don't want to be drafting one of those guys to start right away kind of thing and stuff. So yeah, it, it it's it, like you said, it's a tier two need, but more of like a in grooming kind of need than like a, mm. We need this guy to start now, like you know, yeah. potentially what safety is kind of thing and stuff. So since Campbell's your, you got a day two grade on him. Yeah. Who do you have as a day one guy inside? Honestly, I just don't have any day one really inside linebackers. Yeah, it's it's just one of those, and I I do try to like, I I just try to keep it in terms of like I'm not gonna move guys up just because I don't have one kind of thing. Right. And stuff. Yeah. And yeah. With Campbell his testing did surprise me a little because I I thought he was a little bit more mechanical on film and stuff. He's got great instincts. I love his instincts on film. He, he sees and reads the field really well. You, you see he, he has sideline to sideline range, but I thought sometimes, you know, if he kind of gets going one direction, he's not really getting back the other direction kind of thing and stuff. It's just, I, I think, but I do think more of it, it's more technique cleanup and stuff like that. And that's the thing too, is it's like, Iowa's system is so it it's it's one of the Michigan pods that I listen to. They jokingly but also respectfully call it a PhD in cover two and cover four, and that they that system is the system and they run it and run it and run it. And if you can beat it, okay, they're not gonna do well against it. But if your quarterback isn't good enough and your O line can't open up holes against soft boxes you're going to have a bad day at the office. And I mean, Iowa, like, and Campbell was a big part of it. If you watch the Iowa-Ohio State game from this past season, they gave uh, CJ Stroud and that Ohio State offense a bad time. Like, you know, it, it's, it was a bend, it's a, it, it's a bend, don't break defense because it's, you know, it's cover, it's too high all the time, but it forces your quarterback to be precise and it forces you to have to run the ball. And Ohio State, you know, that's it's one of the reasons that I'm not the highest on CJ Stroud. I understand why a lot of people do have a lot of belief, but I kind of point to like, you know, what's he, what gave him a lot of trouble in college cover two. What does a lot of the NFL defense, what, what do a lot of NFL defenses do cover two. So, but circling back to Campbell, I, I just think that he's just a really, really solid football player. And like I said, my whole thing with inside linebackers is you've got to just really, really pop at something. And he's close. Like, it's splitting hairs because it's the whole, like, I would take in top third of round two kind of thing. I wouldn't, 
and like you like you said, Joe, if someone picks him in the the high twenties or you know the the back end of the first round, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain, especially if they have a need at the position. It's right, it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like Kansas City picking Nick Bolton a couple years ago, where you're kind of like, okay, like. I, I guess kind of thing, but you see how they use Nick Bolton. And it's like, oh yeah, like shit, that was a really good pick for Kansas City kind of thing and stuff. And it, it is one of those where, like, I think you know, if you look at the the teams he could go to, like, if Philly took him, like that's a that would be a really good pick for them kind of thing and stuff. So yeah, it's Just it's one of those need. where yeah, <laughs> it, it's one of those where. Like I said, I would feel better about it in the second round just because I think there's more premier positions and Campbell doesn't have a super elite trait. Like I said, his testing surprised me, but I wouldn't be like, even if Green Bay traded back and maybe they traded back a little too far and they missed out on something, like if like Murphy, McDonald, you know, the, 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 even Nolan Smith are gone and then like, Darnell Wright is gone and you know you're kind of like oh it's more like the day two offensive tackle picks and stuff and like you know they're picking at like 26 or something they did let's say they did like the Jair trade you know the the Jair, mm-hmm. the New Orleans trade yeah, back yeah. in 2018 and it's like okay we're not gonna try and move back up or anything so we'll just pick who we think is the best player kind of thing and stuff and so yeah I, like I said I wouldn't hate it hate it I would get it it's a I would get it pick kind of thing and stuff so yeah so I, I, that's really yeah. interesting that you don't have a first round on anybody. I mean, there's very few of them that I would consider first rounders. And I, I guess everybody could say it's my Iowa bias saying Campbell will be a first rounder. But I, I even if you take that bias out of there, just what he put on film and just what he put up in for his athletic scores, I, I just don't see how they can keep him out too much. I mean, I, I I would, I mean, the bottom part that I would say that he could fall to is maybe the top of the second round, just based yeah. on scores. I think, I th- and like I said, I think it'll be, you know, where he'll end up going is where need and value are going to meet right. pretty good in the middle kind of thing. And whether that's at the back end of the first round or the top of the second round, I think it's, it's going to be a spot where you're like that that pick makes a lot of sense kind of thing. Green Bay, like you said, it would be a little bit more of a big brain kind of pick and stuff. And it would make more sense if it's after a trade back and either your trade back and you get more like, you know, you get that 2018 new Orleans trade or, you know, they're, they're picking with like 42 or 43 or something like that. And they get him kind of, cause they're just like, yeah, I, I would take Jack Campbell over a Brian Brom pick this year. So <laughs> I would happily, I would happily take that if the, if that scenario were to play out. Well, I guess Nick, what do you think about a first round guy? Do you have anybody that you think is first round? Not at all. <laughs> this is really this class is too rich with corners, defensive line, edge, literally anything else besides linebacker to for me to want to draft it on day one. Yeah, like I, I, I do love Jack Campbell and some of the other guys. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, like Trenton Simpson is a guy I've seen mocked in the first. It is good, but if I mean, like, no matter what in this class, I think because of the lack of real top end talent, I think you're always going to have people saying, oh, it was overdrafted, blah, 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 overdrafted. But I just think that the, the value of other positions is just way higher for me to justify drafting a linebacker in the first, and especially in Green Bay when we have Quay already and I don't think any of these guys would really like 
add enough to this team for me to really warrant that. Yeah, again, like warrant choosing that over uh, even like a second tier tackle. To be honest, like I just didn't really like like the top end of this class heaps. Well, I guess I got to quit the show then because everybody keeps talking shit about my Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> he is very good though. He's, he's, so, he's so intelligent. I, I I really love Jack Campbell. He's he's, he's definitely my number I, one. And he's the only one that I could see getting yeah. in the first. Like like honestly, he's a guy that if Green Bay somehow got their hands on him. I think they would, you know, that that three line, you know, they were kind of going to like almost a four three, or they're kind of running like a three three five nickel look where they had all three of Barnes, Quay, and Campbell on the field at the same time. I think they, I think they would um, do some similar thing. I mean, it would it would be Campbell and Campbell, but the, I I think you would see some of that going in the early season just because I, mm-hmm. I I think if you take him, he's gonna play because he is just that good of a player. So. Like, like I said, they just have more important needs. But I'll put it this way: I would take Jack Campbell before any of the safeties in this class. Like, yeah, that's no, yeah, problem. like, <laughs> like it, it. Honestly, I'm like, let's just say, like the the guy I would probably take earliest is Skinner, just because I do think he has the upside wow. and the athleticism that it's like he has stuff he has to clean up on film. But there's enough athletic upside and flash plays that you're like, okay, like. I can project it like it's kind of like obviously it's not the same because he was at a way smaller school, but it's at least like Nick Collins, the Nick Collins pick in 05 kind of thing. Whereas, but any other safety, it's like I really don't like that pick before round three kind of thing. Whereas, like, if the, yeah, I was like Campbell, okay, it's not a it's not the biggest need, but he's gonna play kind of thing and stuff. So, yeah, right. it, yeah. it's one of those that it's like. It wouldn't be my first pick, but I'm not gonna hate the pick if that makes yeah. sense. Like, it's all just gonna depend on the board. And I think if Campbell is somehow the Packers pick, it's really gonna define. Like, you know, we were talking about what are the Packers thresholds at, you know, inside linebacker. If Campbell is somehow the Green Bay second round pick, let's say, that's gonna define a lot of what their thresholds are for a lot of other players, kind of thing. Because like, if you see like, um, you know, like let's say Quinton Johnson somehow falls to 45 kind of thing he just ran like a really shitty three cone kind of thing and that's like the measurable that green bay is like we don't mess around with that at receiver we'll we'll kind of go with four five forties or whatever kind of thing and stuff but three cone is the one that we're like nah like yeah he's he's, he's out now you're out kind of thing and stuff so it's like you know I don't want to say it definitely signifies that but it kind of would lend more credence to okay yeah that's their trend and they really don't like it when you no matter who you are they really don't like it when you do that kind of thing and stuff mm-hmm. whereas yeah it's it's one of those so yeah i i i think it's going to be an interesting position to watch this year and that's the thing like i said i i think that kudukuns is definitely going to be looking at the position but at the same time it's one of those where i think by the time green bay is like kind of looking for and just because of where the value is in the draft they're the like next tier of guys below Campbell are going to be gone because they've like I said been inorganically pushed up the board kind of thing and stuff so yeah yeah. well how about after so looking at this kind of you know day two range whatever that really means who are the guys you're kind of looking at in this second tier so like I said I do like I like to auto but like yeah, it's it's hard to see because 
I don't know where people are going to fall in after. Right. Because, yeah, yeah it, it's really hard to say because teams that need an inside linebacker, they might say, you know, that guy's in our tier one because we like the things he does and we don't care about the things he doesn't do well kind of thing and stuff. So yeah, it's the, the one thing that, so like Trenton Simpson from Clemson, he's really, the highlights are fun to watch, but the thing with Clemson's defense that it's hard to judge is their guys are very, so like like I said, Campbell, he's a read and react player. Like like I said, he's orchestrating the second level of that cover two, cover four defense that Iowa runs. Clemson's defense is very much of like, this guy does this job, 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 and that job is the only thing you've got to worry about. So it's like there's not a lot of read and react. And that's why when they've been at their best, their defenses are really good because each guy is just good at taking care of their job so their defense is a good solid unit you know sometimes a top 10 defensive unit in college football and so it's hard to construe how that's going to translate to the nfl where it's like okay no now you've got like three things on your dish and you're not just responsible for watching the running back and like if he goes out on a route you just follow him doesn't matter if it's a play fake and you're avoiding a zone or something like that you just follow him kind of thing and stuff so that's the part that i it's hard for me to project that i i like the like i said i like the flash plays but it's one of those that like i said i'm glad that i'm not the one having to be like yeah, I'm going to gamble on that player to become like an all-around player in my defense kind of thing and stuff. So it's, like I said, it, that it's a lot of guys who are kind of good at a bunch of things, but not necessarily great at anything. And so it is just going to be that like flavor of ice cream kind of player with enough upside in one or two areas where you're like, I think I can get more, you know, a fringe starter nickel linebacker kind of thing and stuff like that out of this prospect like that that's kind of the feel a lot of these players have this year there's no like fred warner that's kind of lurking around you know i I guess campbell could be that fred ward kind of player and stuff but like it's not like someone where you're like oh we didn't know just because he went to a small school in utah state kind of thing or something like that It, it there's no one that really is like, oh no, he was like really good. We just under scouted him because he went here kind of thing. There, these guys are, you know, they have deficiencies and they don't have that one elite trait that you're like, nah, I've got to like really go after this guy this year kind of thing. Yeah, that's pretty much what I. And there's some guys that it's kind of interesting that prior to the season, hang on, did Nick leave? He's yellow. <laughs> He's got yellow We're light. We're both yellow, so. Yeah. He's offline now. now. <laughs> Uh-oh. What the hell, Nick? Oh, no. <laughs> You're fired. He said his internet dropped. <laughs> Come on, Nick. <laughs> Jeez, Nick. Here, I'll use my new soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's going on out here? That's the fitting one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you guys were kind of pointing out, it, it, it 
is this class is small. Oh, like yeah, it's and it's yeah. a lot of guys who can run around in space and stuff like that. Like even probably the guy that is like in the same I have sort of in the same range as To'o To'o is um Henley from Washington State. I just like how he plays in space and stuff, but even that, you know, it's a projection and all kind of things. So it, it is just like, and like I said, I'm okay with any of these guys on day three, because it's like, if he pans out great, if he doesn't, Oh, well, it's a day three pick kind of thing and stuff, but welcome way to back, go, Nick. Nick. <laughs> way to go. Jeez. Start calling you Jimmy jr. <laughs> Okay. We just stopped. We were making fun of you most of the time. <laughs> so I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Well, what's kind of interesting is the uh some of the guys that were talked about as being, you know, first round guys and top level guys aren't really there anymore because I remember like way too early mock drafts that Noah Sewell was going to be like a top first round pick, top 10 pick. And now you don't see him being talked about hardly anywhere. Hell in our show notes, Nick has him as a day three prospect. So that just, it's amazing. And he's about the only one that I saw out of all of them that would have been relatively sized for the Packer defense. I mean, he was a little bit heavier than normal, but you know, he probably fit more as an edge rusher than an inside linebacker. But just to see some of those guys fall from grace like that is just crazy. But day two, guys, and it's hard for me because like I always say in these episodes, I can't put a grade, you know, a round grade on these guys just because like Mike kind of mentioned earlier with the way this class is, some guys are going to be pushed higher and some guys are going to fall lower than what we're expecting just because of needs and everything. I think we were just talking about the kid from Clemson Simpson and, you know, I, I, there were things to like about him, but there were things that kind of just didn't, I mean, he had a smooth back pedal but then his side to side work was a little clunky and, you know, he didn't rush very well, but he was decent in coverage. So, and I, I wasn't a big fan of his tackling. He seemed to try to arm tackle or leg tackle a little too much and he tended to guess too often. So, I mean, there's things to like about it. Cause obviously he's, he's athletic. His RAS score was a 9.86. So he's, you know, one of the top Raz guys, but I, I mean, like I said, there's things to like, and there's things not to like to where, you know, I could see him going in the second round just because based off athleticism, but because some of the things that I was just talking about, I could see him falling into the fifth round or something like that. Uh, Another guy is the kid from out from Auburn, um, Owen Papo or Papo or however you pronounce his last name. You know, he's a small guy, but he was good in coverage. And then he was a great tackler. But then again, he wasn't much of a rusher because of his size. You know, he was getting swallowed up by offensive line, offensive linemen and stuff like that. But he's another one like Sewell that early on, I was seeing him as possibly a first or second round pick. So it it's crazy how this stuff happens. 
but um, I was trying to look through my notes. There was one guy that I really, I did really like. Well, actually, I got two, but one of them I can't pronounce his last name too well. Anthony or Orgi Orgi Orgi. Okay, well that makes it on my top names list. I only know because his brother played. It was a freshman at Michigan this year. The Vanderbilt oh, really? kid, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His brother's a quarterback. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he had good speed. He tracked the ball well. He got skinny through the gap. You know, his back pedal wasn't the smoothest, but he was really explosive. Not much on long speed, but he he had quickness to him. A little bit smaller, but that's the problem we're seeing with all the rest of them. And he has tackling ability, but he needed to work on his technique a little bit more. And then the other one was uh, the kid from Texas, Demarion Overshone. You know, he was kind of the same way, but he was taller, but he was a little bit light for his height. Good speed, quick and explosive. You know, he was able to shoot the gap. Coverage looks good. Tracks ball well. And he was a solid edge edge setter. So I he, out of all of them, probably mid-rounds, I could see fitting the Packers more than any of the rest of them. And, but those are my day two type guys. I mean, you could probably throw Sewell in there, but I'll go by Nick's list and have him as a day three guy. But again, I think Sewell will probably be a better edge than he will be an inside guy. who do he play for? Cincy. Oh yeah. He, he does have short arms, 30 and a quarter. Ooh. Well, just looking at his size, there's even a possibility he could go undrafted because this guy's a little pocket rocket. He only measured in at 5'10 at the combine. And I I don't know. There's going to be a lot of guys that are going to go ahead of him. I, I'm not saying it's going to – he's definitely undrafted, but 5'10 is a little scary. I mean, he's he's built solid. He's weighed in at 231, so that's no issue. Um, but his shuttle and his three cone and his 10 yard split were a little shaky. Uh, his overall res is a 5.6. That's better than DJ Smith, who we picked out of Appalachian State in 2011. I never. Yeah, I'm just not feeling too inspired by a lot of this class. And yeah, as Mike's been saying the whole episode, it's just, you know, you need to find someone who does one thing good or has one use to your team. And you just kind of run with that and see how you can work with that. Don't ask them to do things that you know they're not good at. Well, my homerism is going to step in again here <laughs> because there is a guy that we could probably take, and I'm going to say he's probably going to go in the high day three, and that's Jack Campbell's partner, Seth Benson. He seemed to be really close to what Jack Campbell is, but he didn't. It's hard to go by athletic skills because he didn't go to the combine. So he doesn't have the testing. And I don't think Iowa has run their pro day yet. I think it's coming up, but I don't think, I think they've done they're it. They're always yet. late. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see what he does at the pro day. But um, yeah, it, it's. I saw a lot of the same things with him that I saw with Campbell, you know, side to side rush ability, decent coverage. I, I think he's a little bit smaller than Jack Campbell is, 
And, you know, obviously he's not as smooth as what Campbell showed. So he's definitely a project, but I think he could be somebody that could step in and fill a role if he's called upon. And like I said, I, I could see him, you know, depending on what the board lands at for the rest of the inside linebackers, he could go fourth round, but I could also see him going fifth or sixth round just just because I don't think he's as polished as what a Jack Campbell is. But yeah, that that's my homerism. I could see the the Packers taking him. Just because he he's the thing about Iowa is you're not going to get a guy out of Iowa that can't tackle. They're all going to have the ability to tackle and die and to pick apart a play and know what's going on. Yeah. You could probably throw in the outlier that Josh Jackson, but I think a lot of that was just, he got screwed up with scheme and just could never pick it up in the NFL. Like he could in college, but you know, you're not going to get a bad defensive player from Iowa. They're either going to be a special teamer or they're going to be a solid backup or whatever, but you're going to get, on the defense side, I, the offensive side, you did to crap shoot, but, um, you know, like the Goodson. <laughs> well, no, I, I, you know, I love Goodson, but I always said that he needed to go back to school because he didn't show enough in his, in his junior year to warrant him getting taken in the draft. And obviously he wasn't taken in the draft. It's good that he got picked up and I'm happy about it, but I think he needed to go back another year and, get his skill set fixed. But I mean, not all offensive linemen are, that come out of Iowa are going to be great. I mean, you're going to have for every Brian Bulaga, you're going to have a Robert gallery and, you know, kind of thing. The last decent quarterback to come out of Iowa, maybe you could say CJ Beathard, but <laughs> you know, that's kind of pushing and really wide receiver wise, they don't produce much in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> so it just, the defensive side, the Parkers have always had a great defense at Iowa and they've always produced quality players for the NFL. So. Yeah. Like in terms of green Bay, like if they're at all picking an inside linebacker this year, the baseline is, can you beat, Wilson out for that inside linebacker four right. spot, basically. Like, that's the baseline of what they're looking for in a prospect. And, like I said, they'll throw a day, uh, especially a late day three pick at that all day long to see if... Are we getting bombed? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Kwano is in Hawaii. The... <laughs> it's not Sorry. December. That was... <laughs> I have no I idea. I know my people operate was... in secrecy, but it's not December. <laughs> <laughs> the Pacific Fleet is not here. <laughs> it's not even Rimpack. <laughs> I, yeah, I have no idea what the hell that was. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it was an airplane. Who was getting bombed? I know it wasn't here in Iowa. I'm not even near an airport. <laughs> the chemtrails, bro. The chemtrails. <laughs> uh oh. Nick's getting his uh, aluminum foil hat out. His tinfoil hat. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah. No, this yeah. time, don't let the plane through. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Speaking of, you know, like, so getting into like the, the late round kind of guys, I mean, yeah, like you're really kind of looking at just like the special teams and that kind of thing, right? I mean, I, I, it's it's funny because I think you know, I didn't expect Eric Wilson to actually come back, but, you know, he's, he's one of those core special teamers. I mean, for how much you care about it, he was PFS number one uh, graded special team by the time that he, he played. So I guess, oh, please Christ, back. <laughs> Nick's getting bombed. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> this is great television. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Wave <laughs> off. Wave off. Not today. <laughs> this, this one's... Who, who's mad at Australia that they're sending the bombers in? <laughs> no, no idea. I'm... The Kiwis. <laughs> we, 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 we have the the we have the, the Grand Prix on at the moment, so maybe that's related to that. I, I live like a five minute walk away from where the Grand Prix is being held. Okay, that would make sense. That, that does sound a like lot kind of, of a car now. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Anyway, I really liked Drake Thomas as kind of an addition to the special teams room. The only thing is, you know, I, I'm not sure kind of how much they're really looking for that because like you said mike they're kind of looking for a guy who can actually like play on the team because i think the thing with drake thomas he's more of like a hitter than a tackler he's got those like tiny t-rex arms he's like he's you know i i like what i saw from him obviously he has a pretty limited role as kind of that like downhill guy or whatever you want to say but so like he's he's not going to be a very reliable tackler i don't think but as you know, kind of like like, like a body to kind of fill out the roster and it's like primarily special teams things. I did I, I kind of like what he offered. When, when you get to the late rounds, it's just like you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty dry, especially at, at linebacker. I mean, where are we at on Noah Sewell? You know, I I haven't written down as a day three here, or whatever. But because ha- I feel like he's one of the most kind of like divisive prospects. I think he's he, I've seen him like. It's such a wide spectrum of kind of grades and rankings. Where are you guys at on, on Noah Sewell? Like I said earlier, I think he is more – I think he's going to survive more as an edge rusher than he is going to as a uh, inside guy just because what I was seeing out of him on he's the He's a forward player. He's, he's a player who goes better forward than in reverse yeah. kind of thing. It, and, kinda, you know, he's got the size for it. I, I'm trying to pull it up here, but I think he weighed in at like 265 pounds or something like that. And, you know, that definitely is not – that's a little on the big side for inside linebackers. No, I was wrong. He weighed in at 246, but still – But I think he was listed around 250 at Oregon yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, I mean, I liked him. But would you know his be, coverage like, isn't great. If you got him in like in the sixth round, like where we got Desmond Bishop, that's kind of a comp in terms of place. What I would yeah. expect someone who's going to help plug the run early, and then you know you send him off the edge kind of thing on later down. He's a better athlete than Desmond was coming out of college, but yeah, that's kind of the play style niche that I see him fitting into in terms of what you know if he hits what you would expect him to look like and. You know, that that does mesh well with Quay hitting his hypothetical max because, you know, Quay would be a guy that can play in forward or in reverse um, at one spot. So, yeah, it kind of just... And like I said, the other angle to look at it from Green Bay's point of view is what 
do they view Tariq Carpenter as? Is he going to play more safety or is he going to be that nickel linebacker, sub-package linebacker kind of position? Because I think that's going to, like you said, that'll determine how developmental of a guy <laughs> they get kind of thing. Or or if they're just like, nah, let's just get a guy who's going to, we're going to have him duke it out with Eric and because Eric's basically a special teams only player at this point. Yeah. So it's like, we're just picking a guy to duke it out with him because he'll be cheaper than him kind of thing. And if he shows any kind of upside, great. And if he doesn't, oh, well, we'll pick another guy next year or the year after kind of thing. So, and at least we've got good special teams play kind of thing and stuff. So like, like Joe said, that would be someplace where like Benson could get picked hypothetically. Cause it's like, we'll take a flyer and see, you know, like, because, we do kind of run, you know, on some levels, especially from what Lafleur said at the owners' meetings, where we're he's expecting to see um, a lot more cover two, um, cover eight kind of looks going back into this season. So, you know, hypothetically, it would, you know, it, Benson's history in Iowa's system would curtail well into going into that kind of what he what Lafleur is envisioning for this year's defense so you know like I said it's one of those you're just throwing you're you're just throwing darts at that point and at very least it's like okay he can do Wilson's job you know close to as good but half the price kind of thing and that's where this team is at to cap wise is it's like we're they're they're looking to save 50 cents on the dollar wherever they can this season and stuff so it, it'll be interesting to see it, like I said I think Inside linebacker is one of those where we're going to find out a lot about how they feel about certain guys at certain other positions. And like I said, like Tariq Carpenter, where they're thinking McDuffie is at, because you'll kind of be able to tell sort of like if they just, you know, just never pick one kind of thing, or if they do pick one and it's like, like a Diane Henley or something like that, where it's like, okay, he's a small guy, but he's, you know, he can play in coverage and stuff like that. Or do they pick a Sewell who's more of a thumper kind of thing and stuff. So it, it, it's, like I said, it's going to be hard to draw much conclusions from any third day pick, but inside linebacker is one of those where that's kind of where Green Bay has tended to get their guys. So, you know, the, it, it is, I don't want to say safe to, but you can draw conclusions from that because it's that's where they've gotten their guys for the most part. Well, to kind of piggyback off what you were just saying with Tariq, it's also going to be interesting to see what they do with him because it might also give you a reflection of what they view of Skinner out of Boise. Yeah, because they're about the same size. I think Tariq maybe is just a little bit heavier, but they're both tall, bigger safety types in college. So if they viewed Carpenter as an inside linebacker now – are they going to view Skinner as a safety or are they going to view him as an inside linebacker? Right. But there's a guy that I kind of thought interesting in the later rounds that, that could go both ways on that. And that's Dorian Williams out of Tulane. He played linebacker, but if you do, I, I know on the Raz uh, website, you can plug them into different positions and see how they they tested out against other guys and he actually tested better as a safety than he did as a linebacker. And he had the, the mobility of a safety. So I think that's a guy that they could take 
you know, maybe sixth or seventh round and finally have that guy to be the hybrid that they've been looking for forever. You know, they put Raven green in there. They put, um, Oh, who was the one they originally did? Uh, Sean Richardson in there, you know, those type of guys that they have the size to be able to do both. And we want that, you know, he could theoretically be that third inside linebacker or that third safety whenever they need him. And, you know, he was a tackling machine. I mean, he just, he hit everything in his path. And uh, so that that's a guy that I think that they could draft either way. He could either be a safety or he could be a, a inside linebacker. So I definitely think he'd be an interesting pickup. Yeah. I'm trying to look through my notes. I think that's about <laughs> it. I got one other guy and that's the kid out of Utah, but I really wasn't impressed with him mohammed diabrade ah diabetes so yeah that's about all i got is there anybody else you need to you guys got that you'd like to like to talk about i'm all good i'm, I'm happy to wrap it up now if you guys are yep cool i heard my Same. dog barking so she's wanting to know where the hell i'm at <laughs> before we finish up uh i believe you have something to plug joe yeah, we'll do this better later on, but we've got kind of a new unofficial official sponsor type guy. Uh, it's a good friend of mine. His name's Wes Hoida. Uh, if you guys don't know who Wes is, he's an amazing artist. He does a lot of different pencil drawings. He's been getting into it a lot lately with adding color, but I kind of laugh because he's colorblind. So it's hard for him to actually tell what color is color, <laughs> but he's done pretty good with everything. And um, I, 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 he's, this kid's like a brother to me. So I, I said, I would support him with everything that he does with it. And he's agreed to like help us out with the podcast. So where you're going to see a little bit of crossover where you're going to see some of our stuff on his website. And as soon as we get a website up, you'll see some of his stuff on our website, but I will put a link to his website in our show notes. So if you have anything that you want done, he does everything. Sports, movies, cartoons. I think the last thing he did that he sent pictures of to me was Mario and Luigi. And they were amazing. So, and, you know, he, he's got a pretty good rep that he's even done stuff for a lot of players. You might have seen him on... um Twitter once in a while with a player holding like a, a, a pencil drawing or whatever. And usually that's Wes's stuff. He's done stuff for Jair Alexander, Kurt Benkert. God, there's a long list of them. I'm having a hard time remembering them all. Devante. Uh, there's a couple and he's done stuff with like Aaron Rodgers and things like that. So I know I've taken a long time with this. We'll get a little bit better when it comes to our ads, but you know, just go ahead and check him out. Like I said, I'll throw a link up to on our uh, show notes because it is kind of a long website. I think it's like Hoida original artwork.com or something like that. But yeah, I'll get the show, put that in the show notes. Just go ahead and follow him and get something ordered. Absolutely. Um, and Mike, is there anything for you that you've been writing or working on you want to talk about? Uh, not so much. No, just, like I said, just uh, following a lot of stuff, 
I'm just, uh, I still, we're running, you know, whenever big news breaks for the Packers, I'll still run spaces on Gamon's uh, Twitter handle. I'll probably be posting one of the things that we're working on since we don't really have a website anymore because WordPress is worse than Twitter under Musk. <laughs> we're looking to do more just like quick vids or kind of like those kind of, you know, kind of tiktok videos on the Twitter handle and stuff like that. So um, we'll be doing more of those kind of exposures and stuff. But yep, mostly just spreading my thoughts. And as I say, I have strong opinions, but I don't have any connections to the team. They're just what I think as a fan who's 5,000 miles away from Lambo. Well, it's, it's, it's a lot more miles for me. So I feel you there. <laughs> Uh, well, as always, guys, you can find us on Twitter. You can find Mike at Kawano Mike, myself at Nicholas GRGR, and Joe at Iowa underscore Joe 86, the podcast at Outback underscore Packers. Until next time, we'll see you later.